James here. Welcome to the James Cast in another edition of Doc Talk with Dr. Jenna Burton. You can listen to the original version over there on Podaholics.com. We play a version with a little more spice in it. It's kind of fun. What did we talk about? The essentials, ears, nose, and throats, deviated septums, and a whole bunch more. The terms you keep hearing. So what can you do about it? Dr. Jenna walks us through an intro to ears, nose, and throats. You're going to love it. Here we go. Welcome to the James Cast. <laughs> Dr. Jenna Burton is back, which means we're talking ears, nose, and throats, which means snot, goo, phlegm. We are going to nail it here with, though that sounds wrong, with Doc Talk. <laughs> On Podaholics, coming to you via our dubious wireless Zoom connections. Jenna, (laughs) we've been chatting. (laughs) What do you mean I'm back? Where did I go? Well, we haven't been doing a show recently, so it's, you know, and I only say that because my brother, Joey Woo Woo, has been asking, hey, where's the doctor? So uh, we, we well, just... I, I was here two weeks ago, but last week I was keen, but you yeah. were too busy floundering it, around on, exa- on your jolly holiday. I'm telling you, this is the problem, right? It's it's not that you were, it's, it's that we haven't been podcasting, not that you've been away, but we've been away from the podcast mics and uh, we're here. Yeah, it's, it's always difficult, isn't it, with shifts? Because I know oh, you are someone that doesn't work, can't operate in the evening, James. <laughs> I am not. I'm you not. have a switch that goes out at five o'clock and once five o'clock comes, which is no podcasting. so incredible that I used to do Nightline on Dubai Eye, which was a night show. <laughs> Actually, I had forgotten about that because I'm also a morning person. I think we've established that we, we both operate better in the morning. Yes. And I used to struggle sometimes doing that one show a week because I'd, I'd get into the zone, you'd get in, you'd think, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm craving to put my comfortable clothes on now and relax. Yeah, yeah. You did it four nights a week for how many years? Twelve years. Yeah. And what time did you finish? Uh, so it varied, but, you know, usually either by 10 or 11, it depended. It changed over the period. And some of the times you'd leave and it, I, I swear I'd be driving home and I'd get three quarters of the way home and you'd hit a stoplight and you'd do the double blink. And it's just like, yeah. I got to get home. And I, I would literally, you know, people would say, oh, you get home and you got to unwind. No, I'd get home. I would fall asleep within minutes. It was fall into bed gone because you also would then be up so early for university as well yeah usually i mean i mean usually up about five o'clock right quarter to five today so that's the typical thing so come nine ten o'clock i'm gone it's like <laughs> i'm gonna hazard a guess that your wife is quite happy that you no longer do nightline it, you know when we talked about 12 years of not doing things at night so we i mean i usually didn't start till around eight or nine so it depended it changed so up till eight was pretty good but from about 6.30 on, it was, you know, always making sure everything was ready to go. And, you know, you're looking at your phone and you're looking at content. So it was, it was it's very nice to not be doing the nightlife at this moment. Yeah, because it's not just about turning up. So it's not just about you turning up for the show. That's it. You know, you're, you also had to do all the background research for Nightline. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I remember noticing it the first time I ever joined is, wow, this guy has done his homework on what we're discussing. Because obviously you've got people that are doing specialist interest stuff, but right, yet you've yeah. done all the background well, you got knowledge. Make- and sometimes there were things you knew more about than I did. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, maybe it's the professor, right? You always want to make sure you know what's going on. And I think some of those nights it was, you do a whole bunch of research and never use it. And you'd, you'd say, man, I just wasted two hours of my life researching a topic. But the day you don't do the research is the day that you need the research. So it was just like, okay, we just do it. 
Anyway. Yeah, but no. We'll- so it's this is much better. Podcast, daytime podcast. There we go. No nighttime podcasts. No. So less regular podcasts <sighs> as a result, but but quality more awake James there we go. present at podcasts. Yeah, there we go. And and, and and if we can get our schedules to work, and that's always it's always the challenge, right? Because I mean you've got you've got a pretty pretty your, your schedule fluctuates, but you can be working nights, you work long shifts, and it's it's a tough one. It's a real tough one. You know, I'm always very forgiving of people when they haven't been in touch. I think a lot of a lot of friends can get a bit touchy if you've not um, contacted them recently, or they've right. they've you know they've you've not been in touch. And it's not something I ever get upset with somebody about. So, so I, I draw on this because a friend of mine told um, told another good friend that his sister had been ill, and I always say, you know, you you forget sometimes life can just suck you in and you've not even had time to process anything or acknowledge anything. And it's nothing, not about being a bad friend. It's just life can be really quite challenging to, to juggle and yeah. um, there really aren't enough hours in the day. So, uh, despite what Stephen Fry says, he came out recently and said um, that that's not true. Yeah. I, I disagree. I think there just aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah, and, I agree with you. Um, sometimes we've all got to be forgiving of each other. Well, and, just- it's, and it's functional hours, right? Because yes, there's enough. It, we, sure, we've got 24 hours, but there comes time when you don't, you know, you're just not motivated to do that reading. You're not motivated to write that down. You're not, you're just, you need, you need that recharge time. And into it as well. Yeah. And if we've learned anything through all this COVID environment we live in is we need more of that time (laughs) than less. And it's, it's really, you know, unpacking our heads a little bit and that's, that's tough. That's tough. But it's, it's true. It's one of the big wellness things, isn't it? Is to give yourself the time to unwind. You know, there's a lot of, we talk an awful lot about exercising and making sure that you're active and and, and healthy, etc. But there's a really great company in Dubai called Switch DXB. And they talk an awful lot about switching on. So exercising, challenging Uh, your mind, but also switching off. So it's like that, that hour that you give yourself for the day, whether it's for yoga, whether it's for reading a book or, you know, I, I, Rightly or wrongly, I'm a big believer in sometimes just watching an hour of television just yeah. to switch your mind off. If that if that's something that relaxes you, I know there's a lot of people that will come out and say, "Well, there's blue light that you're looking at, and it's not great for for you before you go to bed." But I know, for for instance, for myself, watching half an hour of trash TV is is, that, is my is my meditation. That just is me, different place not having to think about life and and that's my favorite thing to do just before I go to bed Uh, rightly or wrongly but you know what I sleep like a baby so So that's all (laughs) that matters right (laughs) hey what was that sorry James we we want to talk noses ears and throats and you know why I want to talk about this is because I went and had the scope done I went and had the thing stuck up my nose I did I did. I did. I went and had the old nose scope because I was having some nose issues and nothing to do, you know, just, you know, not, not just, it just wasn't working right. So I finally went, saw the ANT guy and he got out the garden hose and basically stuck it up my nose. Thankfully, they have a little bit of sedative that they put up there, which I... I thought that was really nice that he was going to do really that. really tiny, tiny spray with lidocaine in, which yeah. is like a numbing agent. Yeah. And it feels weird. And it does. Luckily, it does numb the passages slightly before they stick the little tiny camera up your nose. It, it looked like a garden hose to me. It really was pretty darn big. And if, if you try and, and get water <laughs> out of that and use it as a garden hose, you'd be there all day. It's the thinnest 
thinnest little tiny wire. It almost looks like an electrical wire, doesn't it? With a it small does. light yeah. on the end. And then I was surprised. I said, so now we're, you're going to stick it up and we're going to actually look at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to watch the camera as I'm going through. And I was just like, really? And, you know, he, he put it up there and, and he took a look around and he, he said, yep, you definitely have an infection at that point. And he was, he was actually kind of impressed. He said, no infection in your sinus cavities. But there was this this lingering infection that that he cured and got rid of, thankfully. And in the process, did did some more scans and said, you know what, you've got a deviated septum. And just to clarify, when he cured the infection, was it antibiotics that he gave you? Yeah, it, it was a it was a long course of antibiotics. It, and he even said, look, this is a pretty serious dosage I'm giving you, because uh, he said it. it his his feeling was this kind of infection, and I don't know if it's all infections. He said it, it it really seems to be lingering, and he could see some inflammation, and he could see the secretions in, up the nose that were. He said they shouldn't look like that, like where he was kind of going through, and he's stopping. He's going, you should not have secretions there in your nose that look like that. Like that is a big bad infection, and so he was he was a little bit concerned because he thought, hmm. And why do you have that infection? And clearly it's been there a while. You know, this is the thing with sinus infections is if you think about your sinus cavity and all right, your infection wasn't in your sinus cavity, but they are, they're a really wonderful, wonderful space to develop infections. They're nice and warm. There's plenty of room for them. They've got loads of air to keep feeding them as well, especially, you know, if it's an aerobic type of bacteria and mm. um, it's moist and they're meant to be moist because they're meant to add moisture as you breathe in. You know, it's a perfect, perfect environment for, for an infection to develop and hence why so many people tend to get them. And it seems to be so much more common in Dubai because people yeah. suffer with allergies. People suffer. There's a lot of dust in the air that helps to carry these things. So, you know, it, it's not uncommon for everyone, I think, in their Dubai life history to at least mm. have one really nasty sinus infection. So I was really happy he got rid of it. But then he looked in and he said, you know, you, you, you do have this deviated septum. And I, I said to him, I said, so is it a must fix thing? And he said, he said, it's, you could live for the rest of your life with that deviated septum if you really want to. He said, it's really a quality of life thing. And he said, you know, he, he looked at me and he said, people who have had it fixed, and he, he actually said we'd have to shave a little bit of the cartilage, but he said, people who have had it fixed, I know, that's what I said too. I'm going, mm, really? <laughs> I pulled a face. You really, yeah, exactly. You just made that, and I just kind of went, really? Yeah, this is, you're not, you're not convincing me. But he said, people who've had it done, they, they come back to him and they say it's like night and day, their ability to breathe through their nose better. And I, and so I haven't had it done yet. But he just said, you know, about it, well, he, he did say, when you're ready, give me the call. And I am thinking about it. And then, you know, then this whole COVID thing came in. So I thought, you know what, I'll wait. What do you mean this whole COVID <laughs> thing came in? James, when was this appointment exactly? You're making been, it sound like it was last week. It's been like months ago. I've been waiting yeah. on it. For... And you've, you've waited until now to spring this news on. You talk about your nose almost every single podcast. How has this taken until now I think for we, it to come to life? I think we were talking about other things and then we were away and then stuff. And so it's, it's, it's been, oh, it's been a while. <laughs> but it was, it was during the COVID period, but it's, it, you know, it's, so I've just been kind of waiting. COVID's now. been here almost a year. James Pike away, where have you been? It's been a few months. It's been a few months. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's like it's like with anything that's non-critical. So 
um, it, you know, for a lot of hernias that haven't become strangulated, for people that might have, you know, ever so slight hearing problems or some jaw pain that reoccurs now and again, there is a surgery to fix them. No surgery is without risk. You've always got the small risk of anaesthetic and it is a small risk because mm. most people aren't allergic to the anaesthetic. Most people recover really well from their surgeries, providing they have a good anaesthetist and good surgeon. And that's pretty much standard in most regions now. You know, you might get a bit of bleeding. There's always a, a small risk of infection. There's the risk that it doesn't really work properly. Um, but most people find it's just just the recovery period. Do you yeah. want to go through it? We both scrunched faces at the thoughts of shaving the cartilage. But the reality is, is that you wouldn't feel it anyway. Well, it was that's... just something that happened when you were fast asleep and you just happened to wake up and it's a bit uncomfortable. So it's not something yeah. that you're aware of. So it's kind of, is the problem big enough to 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 outweigh that recovery downtime because it would mean a bit of time off from work for you you probably feel a bit miserable for a few days afterwards and it kind of even after any anesthetic it's a good few weeks before you are 100% back on your feet and ready to go and with a deviated spectrum septum sorry septum it, it kind of it varies massively so some people have no symptoms they find it on a routine scan some people get lots of nosebleeds they might get loads of infections like what you're describing now or just a sensation they can't breathe properly so what is a deviated septum? Someone's probably listening going, what is this thing? Because, you know. It's really common, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of, it's just the um, the septum. So if you look at your nose, you basically have a line right the way down the middle. And the ideal situation is that it's a straight line. <laughs> um, and it separates the two nostrils. So it's it's the this big bulging bit in the middle between the two nostrils. And it goes right the way up into up between your eyes, basically. And for some people, it goes over to one side rather than, being straight and midline so it should be an entirely vertical line but most commonly people have an element of a deviated septum but it's how bad how bad is it and it can be so bad for some people that they totally can't breathe through one side and that causes difficulties as more stagnant air in that side of the sinuses it, they do cross over but because it's not as easy an outflow and um, they can get quite dry quite cracked hence why it can um get uh, you can get nosebleeds because it because it gets quite cracked and more likely to get infections because you've not got that free flow of fresh air constantly it's just it just makes it a bit more difficult for the whole process to operate so i've started doing one of these nasal wash things and uh, yeah. i'm i'm not really into it but but it, it, you know the doctor said hey you should probably do this anyway right and i thought yeah so i didn't for the first bit and then i went back to see him for a follow-up and he said so if you started the nasal wash i said no no i haven't he goes you really should and so i, I did it it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I, I noticed one side when you spray the stuff up and it comes out the other side of your nose, it works really well, but the other side doesn't work so well. And it's, that's the side that's got the, the issue, but it's, it's a weird sensation firing something up one of your nostrils and it comes out the other side. Does it not remind you of when you were younger and you'd put a straw up your nose? I never did that. Suck I, up. Did you ever do that? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't recommend anybody does that, by the way, but that was definitely something I did as a child. It's just like, I wonder what happens if you suck your lemonade up your nose. It's really horrible because it's bubbly. I mean, really not a nice, not a nice, not a pleasant, not a sensible thing to do. But, you know, the nasal washes have really come on because now yeah. it's it's in a really great like um, spray and it yeah. works tremendously well. You just have to do a few sprays, sort of lean your face towards the side that you've sprayed, let it wash around a bit and then give you, you know, it's a good blow and it really helps to clear everything yeah. out. You don't want to use it too often because it's normally a saline wash and sometimes that can be, the salt can be quite abrasive. 
But, you know, years ago when I used to have sinus issues because I had um, a nasal washout when I was 15, years ago they, they didn't have these amazing saline sprays and they told me I had to take a bucket or not a bucket, <laughs> but a big jar of water, of, of salt water and just suck it up through my nose and it was the most disgusting Yikes. thing and, and it's obviously two nostrils at once. felt like you were choking. It was, it was really horrible. I'm, I'm really surprised when you spray the stuff up your nose, it doesn't end up going down your throat and... I, I'm really, I find that really curious because when we talk about noses, we often talk about throats and ears and I'm, I'm really surprised on how that anatomy works. Cause I would have thought I would taste it. That's probably because you've got very blocked sinuses no. and not because of the anatomy. <laughs> so because, because absolutely if you put anything, any sort of nasal spray, wash up your nose, event, you will get trickles down the back of your throat because it's all connected. Mm. But if you've got very blocked sinuses, it's probably just not reaching there to come down the well, back. Or go. your taste sensation is potentially altered a little bit because you've had the sinus infection. So it might be dripping down slowly, but you might not be aware of it because you can't taste it as well. Uh, well, since I've been doing these things, my taste has actually gotten better and the smell really? has gotten better. Yeah, like I could smell my compost heap the other day, which was not pleasant. <laughs> <Jay>. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I could never smell the compost. You know, I would just get a little ten, a little scent of it. But the other day I went to it and it was like, oh, this is really ripe. This is, I've never smelled this bad ever. So I thought that was a good thing. I was really happy actually. I mean, it, it, the sense of smell is a funny one, isn't it? Because yeah. since I had COVID, my sense of smell has not come back completely. Is it, but it's better. It's better because oh, I mean, I had no, I literally, it was the most bizarre thing in the world. I had no smell whatsoever and I have it back, but not to the same extent. And sometimes that's not a bad thing. Like I've always been really funny about emptying bins. I do it, but I hate it. I dread it. Now I've got no issue emptying the bins. I've got no issue taking my little boys to the toilet. It's always been something really, you know, it's, it's never the most pleasant thing. Um, and, and funnily enough, I find it much easier to tolerate things like that because I can't smell. But on the downside, you have so many memories associated with smell. They say that your memories are so um, are most closely linked with the sense of smell than any other sense. Wow. And I think sometimes it's sad. I mean, it's not something you will notice day to day, but it'd be quite sad to lose that altogether. How's your taste? How's how's sense of taste? Does it come back? Yeah, again, I'd say it's the same as smell. I can definitely taste now, but it's not the same. It's mm. just not the same. You can you suddenly become more fixated on the texture of food as opposed to the actual taste of it. Interesting. Um, and I, there is, there is um, the suggestion that there are some people that don't regain their sense of smell or taste back completely. And I Yikes. wonder whether I'm now, I'm well past six weeks of having COVID, whether I'm going to end up falling into that category. And I think I'm just trying not to think about it because yeah. I don't know how I feel, like how I'm sure eventually you'll get a bit blunted to it and you've forgotten what it was like, but I, I'm not there yet. Okay. And the sense of smell, I think I'd survive with, but the sense of taste would be disappointing. Yeah. I, I'm curious, you got two little young boys. How are they for ear infections? Do you find your young boys get, get ear infections pretty regularly or are you lucky? Touch wood, so far they are the one in six oh. children that haven't had an ear infection by the age of three, which wow. is unusual because we go to swimming pools so frequently. Yeah. But usually it's the most commonly, it's the most common reason for a child to visit a doctor's surgery is because of ear infections especially under the age of three because they have such 
small eustachian tubes which connect the ear to sort of the nasopharynx which is at the area sort of at the back of the throat and the nose uh, which means that bacteria so easily can spread and they've certainly had sore throats they've certainly had you know really nasty colds and viruses etc and touch wood so far they've been fine um but it's a matter of time <laughs> well so what do, you, what do you think that you've done or, or are doing that is has put them in the one in six category is is there anything you that comes to mind because like you say you go to pools no I, I wouldn't say there's anything James I think it's just a matter of of we've been lucky I don't believe that they have any allergies I think that they stay really well hydrated they generally eat quite well we don't smoke so they're not subjected to smoke which can have an impact as well on how frequently they tend to get infections I, I think honestly we've just been lucky because they were they certainly haven't been those like really healthy, healthy children. You know, I mean, I can't even count how many times I've said to you, one of the boys is sick, one yeah. of the boys is sick, especially in the first 18 months of their life. Touch wood, it's calmed down an awful lot now. They're a bit older, um, but they were premature babies. One of them particularly seemed to suffer more with that prematurity than the other one. Um, I tried very hard to breastfeed. And to be honest, it was a complete and utter failure because they were so premature. So I expressed but not for anywhere near as long as I had hoped or planned. So I always felt like maybe I damaged their immune system somehow by not giving them that mm, that mm. really great first start. But they haven't um, had ear infections. So that's, you know, on, on our side with my one son, my wife did breastfeed for, you know, the, the length of time that one would ask for. I mean, almost a year, I'm sure. And mm. I had one son who had enormous number of ear infections. I mean, it, one son didn't and one, you know, to the point that we had to get grommets and all that kind of stuff done because it was endless ear infections. And it's really nasty because, especially when they're so young, because they can't express what's going on. And the typical signs you just get, it can just even be an irritable child. That can that can be your only sign and symptom. More commonly, you see, you tend to see them pulling on their ear or they're playing with their ear fingers in their ear, just doing something to sort of suggest that there's something going on on that side. And unless you have an otoscope, which is the device that a doctor would use to look into the ear, you really would have no idea what's going on. You can sometimes feel just sort of down behind the ear, um, down the neck, or and in front of the ear, down the neck, and you can sort of feel for some lymph nodes, are they swollen? But quite commonly in children, because they're very they're very slim, you can feel lymph nodes quite frequently, and they pop up and yeah. go down uh, like a yo-yo. So it's not always the like it's not a diagnostic thing to say oh yeah they've got lymph nodes it's a suggestion of drawing you towards the area that there's something going on and if they have been in swimming pools or they've recently had a head cold or a sore throat again it makes it more likely that something's going on and I think sometimes uh, people are very keen to automatically want to have antibiotics if yeah. my child's got an inner infection I need to have antibiotics but often these actually tend to go away on their own especially um, the outer ear infection sometimes it's just a case of a few drops so what's, what's the area what's the difference between an outer and an ear, inner ear infection of course there's where there's two parts to the ear what 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 are we talking about there there's actually three parts oh three well, yeah. isn't that nice <laughs> you've got the inner ear, you've got the inner ear, the middle ear and the outer ear. However, when we talk about an inner ear infection, we do tend to refer to that middle section of the ear. Um, and that's what you see behind the eardrum. So you've got, so where your the opening to your ear is, the, the bit that we can see from our, our, our little ears, our, what we are actually called pinna, so our, our ears, but what we refer to as ears. And um, there's a little canal that leads from there, from the outside to the eardrum. And that is the outer ear canal. 
And quite commonly that can get irritated with too much wax or even you can get little infections there as well. Um, and, and again, that's something like swimming would tend to cause that. Mm. Um, but likewise, behind the eardrum, you then have like three little bones that transmit the conduction of vibrations from the air from the eardrum and then into the liquid which is in the very very innermost part of the ear and and that can get like an effusion that's where you can get lots of pus that can be much more painful and the reason it's much more painful is because if you do get an effusion and that an effusion is just sort of like the accumulation of liquid like often like pus etc it pushes against the it basically bulges and pushes against the eardrum and the eardrum because of the nature of how it works, it's absolutely full of nerves. Oh. So it's very, very, very sensitive and very, very painful. And that might be why your, one of your children ended up having grommets, which is where basically put a little tube between the inner and the outer ear. Uh, and it just allows free passage of air and it stops that bulging on the eardrum, which becomes very, very painful. It's interesting as, as you're talking about uh, hearing loss, and I guess that always becomes a really big issue that did parent- I mention hearing loss? Yeah, you did. You see, you talked about it. It can be harder to hear. Natural jump. Well done. That's, that's your research again coming through, James. Effusions can cause hearing loss as well. I, I just think that's always a big, the big concern with the ears, right? If something happens and the kids lose their... I remember when we had the grommets put in our, our oldest, he could hear so well all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And he talked so quietly for a short time. But it was amazing how, how his hearing improved. And a lot of people don't even realize that they've had an element of hearing loss until you you then make an intervention like for your son when he had his grommets and they suddenly go, oh my goodness, I I couldn't hear anything before. I hadn't even realized often with people that need their ears syringing because they're full of wax. Yeah. They, they've, it's happened over such a gradual amount of time that they've, they've not even noticed. But I mean, the, the one thing you don't want to happen is to burst your eardrums. Mm. Um, and often if you have got an effusion in your inner ear, um, and, and you can't get the escape of air that you want to. You can't equalize your ears. And then the typical thing is people get an ear infection on holiday. They, they haven't realized they can't equalize their ears. They've got it from a dirty swimming pool or something. They get on the plane. Oh, yeah. Ear drums actually pop in the air because gas expands. So any trapped air in the ear expands actually causes the eardrum itself to burst slightly excruciatingly painful i know it has happened to me before and uh, and then they get back to their home country and they're just like what on earth is going on in my ear i've never felt pain yeah. like it yeah. and and that can recover but obviously it depends on how bad the the perforation is of the eardrum that sounds horrible i i forgot to share with you that i uh, also in the process of going to get my sinuses checked got my hearing checked because i've got a i've got a, a little bit of persistent ringing in the ears oh really you got a bit of tinnitus yes and the doctor said i i am like uh, i'm a, i'm a unique individual because i said to him so what do we do with that and he said you know well he, he did some more tests and he said well i i want to tell you that yours is very particular and you have ringing in the ears because you have a blood vessel going across your eardrum and that's why you're getting the ringing because of the hardening of that blood vessel on your actual eardrum and so i said oh so i said so what can we do about that and he says yeah, not much. He said, he, he actually did say at one point, he said, look, I can prescribe to you some heart medication for, and, and you can try that. And I did try it for one day. And this, one day that would make a lot of difference that James. No, as soon as the side effects started kicking in, I said, not happening. I mean, I, I was taking the, maybe it was two days. I was taking this medication and suddenly I just felt 
woozy kind of and and unable to concentrate well i said forget this i'll live with the ring was <laughs> and it a medication that slowed your heart down no it was something to do with uh, i i it, it was some something some dilator or something i don't know oh like a calcium channel block like nifedipine or something yeah that something like that mil. yeah that yeah. sound familiar yeah it does yeah. And um, yeah, because it's, it's, I mean, it'd be hard to get, you need to really take medication for a little while, like a good yeah. few weeks before you can really assess side yeah. effects, like cost versus benefit. I just kind of went, but you know I, what, I'm, and, and I, when I went back to him, I mentioned this and he go, he just kind of laughed. He said, are you happy with it? Can you live with it? I said, yeah. And he goes, then you don't have a problem. <laughs> He said, there's nothing you, had you can a, do. You had a full MOT there in your ENT. I'm telling you, I was, I was, I was right in. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. It's quite sad, though, because a lot of people that do develop tinnitus, that ringing in their ears, you have to check them out, check there's nothing sinister going on. Yeah. But the majority of people, it's one of those things you kind of have to learn to live with and, and tune out after a while. Well, it was funny because uh, we were, we were as I was talking to him, and he came back with the results and said, well, you don't have a tumor. And I'm looking at him going, what, what do you mean? That, what, was that on the cards? And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, well, you described everything. I thought you could have some kind of a tumor there. I said, you didn't mention that. He goes, I didn't want to worry you. <laughs> That was good of him, at least. <laughs> That's it, because you know um, what people don't realize is a lot of ENT type symptoms do steer you towards malignant diagnoses, yeah. and and it, they're often things that can so easily be ignored. So, for instance, we talked earlier about a change of of smell. Uh, one a common not not again a diagnostic feature so it's not something that happens for everybody but quite a common story is people can start to smell burning oh and they get it quite a lot and that can often be the sign of, of actually a, a brain tumor yikes um and that doesn't mean that everybody that gets it because these things can also happen with sinus infections as we as we've discussed um or even just irritation of the the nasal passages uh, however, it, you know, it, there are things that need to be checked out because yeah. if you suddenly have a, a change in taste, smell or hearing, you have got, to, especially the older you get, you have got to rule out malignancy because these things can happen. Yeah. And this has been kind of fun. We've had, we've had a nice little catch up about ear, nose and throats. We've wanted, <laughs> and I'm, I'm mindful of the time because I know that, that you've got to run as well. But this is, this has been, Jenna, this has been a nice welcome back show. Well, James, I was here not long ago. What is this? I haven't been anywhere. I feel like I feel like we've just been away. We've been we've been we've been on vacation, and you know I'm, I'm glad we're we're doing some shows again. We, we you know we had oh, you've been you've yeah, been. Me. I don't feel refreshed, James. Yeah. I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> I was it was the... a while ago since I went anywhere. But maybe about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I need a vacation. That this is the thing. Exactly. Um, but no, it's it's always obvious to chat, and this was a very brief introduction. There's about a million and one other things you can talk about with ENT. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that you've had an ENT MOT. Yes. You know what I mean, by the way, before I go anywhere <laughs> no, for MOT. I have no idea what it was. I was going to go look it up on Google in a minute. Sorry, you know what? I have to, I often mention to patients when they come in and they come to have blood tests or a check over. I say, "Oh, you've come for your MOT." I don't know what it stands for. You'd have to ask Glenn, our car guy. But you have to regularly take your car in for an MOT in the oh, UK. Oh, okay. So like a head, the car gets a head-to-toe check. Ah, but it's gotcha, gotcha. Well, on that note, the when I got my hearing tested as well, the the ENT guy did say that I have some hearing loss, and he said I'm also bizarre because usually. Yeah, and he did say, this is very bizarre. He used that word. And I said, are you calling me bizarre? And he goes, did I say that? <laughs> but he's, he, 
be quite an accurate diagnosis as well, James. <laughs> well, I thought the same thing. Uh, it, when when he when he did that, he 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 actually did it twice because he said this doesn't this doesn't seem right. And he said you actually you do have some moderate hearing loss, but not enough to need a hearing aid. I thought ah oh, drats, I could really crank that up then to hear things. That'd be cool. And uh, he he said very odd that you're hearing loss is the same in both ears like it is not different right ear left ear identical level of hearing and he said they've both lost some hearing but the same amount i thought well there you go i'm special well yeah you'd usually unless it was something that was neurological you would tend to think that one would occur more than the other because nothing tends to happen sorry nothing tends to happen symmetrically yeah well, that's what he said, and that's why he thought maybe there's something going on upstairs, and he was a little concerned. But he said, "Now everything's fine. We, you know, they did the scan, and I don't know why they put music on in that machine because it's really loud and you can't hear it." But anyway, <laughs> I think that's the MRI machine. Yeah, <laughs> it's to try and calm people down because so many people get claustrophobic inside. I fell asleep. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I've had one, as I say, years ago, uh, and it didn't bother me. It was quite a nice. Yeah. time out but obviously people that suffer with claustrophobia it's, it can be yeah. quite tormenting hey what get we, the music on. yeah what are we talking about next time around jenna we, there was something else on the list that we were going to talk well, about i've contacted our friends so we yes. can potentially talk about homeopathic oh, medication because okay. I'd, I'd be really i went to see a doctor very recently um about some dizzy spells and they recommended craniosacral therapy and i have to be honest i was really unsure this is uh, you know slightly on the peripheral of, of medicine core yeah, yeah. medicine and that got you and i talking about maybe we should bring an expert in in alternative uh, remedies yeah. and uh, we could sort of discuss how it lends itself nicely to sort of more clinical medicine nice so are we are we doing are we i'm gonna have fun doing that are we gonna do that zoom or are we gonna do it at the rove no, we're doing it at the Rove. Woohoo! Okay, excellent. Well, then we, we'll talk about our time and uh, we'll make that happen. I can't wait. Jenna? All right, cool. Oh, thanks, James. It's been a lot of fun. Jenna Burton, doctor extraordinaire here on Doc Talk. I'm James Pikeway. If you want to get in touch with us, potaholics with a K at gmail.com. Find us on the socials, potaholics. We'll be back at you real soon. Share the link. Share the link.